If you missed it live, catch the broadcast on kaya959.co.za. I can imagine the kind of conversations you and your peers have been having on the back <laughs> of this news, right? I, I guess we kind of knew things were tough, but boy, oh boy, we didn't see this one coming. No, and I think for us, it comes on the back of our survey. Remember our CEO survey that we talked about? Yes. And it seems that the CEOs have believed that, you know, their sentiment for global growth had actually improved. Of course, it was still largely negative, but that there was some improvements given, you know, obviously their gloomy nature uh, of that set that we were expecting last year. So this comes as like, you know, these CEOs, do they know what they're doing? But certainly um, it is something that's uh, of, of serious, serious concern. Um, given how widespread this is. And I think, you know, in your introduction, you highlight that we're not seeing this just in um, the UK and Japan, but also obviously concerns about China have also something that we've been living with in terms of demand in that economy. And of course, there's um, to do with um, the rest of the global environment that we are facing. So if you're looking at a weaker China, a big partner for us, a weak German, I mean, a weak UK and a weak uh, Japan, um, that really does not hold well outlook and, and i'm glad that you mentioned that because you know we might sit here and think well we're at the top of the african continent and these economies certainly seem so far and broad and wide and will largely not impact us but help us contextualize the importance of these trade partners given uh, our relationship with them and the economic standing it's extremely extremely important um these are the economies of course that you sent to uh, both finished goods and uh you know and basic materials you'll know that the demand is china has been very important for us uh, but also because they are such big economies, uh, one of the things that we hear is that, you know, China now becomes uh, uh, number, goes falls into number four globally. Um, and we know that one of the things that are important for us in the big economies is how the demand in those economies, of course, drives commodity prices. And commodities are an important part of the South African economy in a very big way. And uh, it's something that we're going to be hearing about a lot this year. I know we, um, the last time we were talking, you had been talking to uh, to um, a, 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 to the economists from uh, the Minerals Council, and they were saying that they're quite concerned about you know commodity prices. And we know since then we've listened to some uh, you know uh, some updates from mining companies telling us that their earnings are meant, I think, well, as as uh, to fall as far as seventy percent. So these are serious serious concerns because of this global environment softens, especially our our big partners then that has an effect on our mining sector. That has an effect on our mining sector and commodities. You know, we look at the currency, that's probably then likely to weaken. If that's the case, we're also looking at, um, you know, demand uh, much more broader in terms of our economy. I mean, uh, the collapse in the UK is quite widespread. So they tell us that it's actually in, in, uh, in, in, in wholesale, in manufacturing, and so uh, uh, and all of that. And, uh, so that is something. Of course, that's of concern because if those economies are weak, then they transfer, they, they, we catch their flu. As it were. Exactly. And this raises such an important point, and I'm glad that you highlight that because uh, it does speak to the ripple effect and, and unforeseen consequences in South Africa. And I'm keen to understand given that these are exogenous factors here, Kanti, are there ways within which we can mitigate against some of the risks <laughs> and economic fallout here? <laughs> You know, I gave a presentation yesterday to one of our biggest clients, and um, one of the things that came out of them from the appointment was that, you know, you're usually quite positive. I haven't seen you so negative, but I'm looking. <laughs> um, I think most of us are looking for um, for some positive options. Look, one of the things we're waiting to hear is, of course, um, you know, how we're going to restructure and fund, uh, you know, our 
our, you know, I guess we sometimes we call them our commanding heights, those SOEs. Uh, the budget is going to be very, very important in terms of actually giving us some level of economic uh, of investor confidence or some economic mm-hmm. confidence for us or some business confidence. So it's one of the things we are really, really looking forward to. Uh, the minister has a really big, big, big task on his shoulders because we are looking for some good news to say, look, where can we look for some options? What is going to be positive this year? What can we look for in terms of driving investment? So that's something that's quite important. But as we look at the world um, and the, the nature of where it is, I mean, one of the things that I talked about in Japan, for example, mm-hmm. is that you know they have been um, in this super loose interest rate environment for over a decade now. And even in that environment, they are still actually losing momentum in terms of the economy. Uh, and that is expected to continue. And look at us uh, in a very tight monetary environment and the results that we are facing. So really, if, you know, um, it seems that the formulas are becoming yeah. are falling apart, that, you know, there's no real formula. <laughs> theories are being thrown out the window here is what Absolutely. I'm actually learning. Yeah, we, we, we are facing some really tricky times. Definitely. Tanti, I guess we can't ignore the political implications. You've touched on the budget and where we are from a fiscal point of view, what this means from our trade relations uh, perspective. The U.S., we continue to monitor the economic data that comes out from that end elections in November. The UK also headed to the polls this year if I'm not mistaken. Help us contextualize how not only this economic concern but the political environment will also perhaps add to the anxiety in the market. It does add to the anxiety and that's a very very big thing. You know I mean I think for a while for example we sort of we had sort of slowed down around the US and we sort of said oh, you know the US is probably uh, stable. Then you hear the would-be president, Mr. Trump, saying actually, you know, he would support Russia, um, at, you know, uh, actually take, uh, taking its NATO partners. I mean, those kinds of utterances actually um, should be quite worrying. Um, and of course, you know, in a time like this, when, you know, um, a guy that's facing politics, um, perhaps they start to act in a much more, maybe a caring way, but sometimes a careless way. And that's what we have to watch. Are governments going to actually be responsible or are they actually going to, you know, be populist? Because we are not looking at the short term. So, I mean, of course, the discussions about the coming year that we're looking at. But we also have to look at multi-year implications of policy decisions that you're facing because we're not looking at now. We've got long-term um, implications at any given decision that's being given. And so that is something also uh, to keep in mind. Kanti, it's going to be an interesting time ahead. I guess the next couple of months are certainly going to uh, bring about a lot of data and new uh, uh, dynamics that we need to account for in terms of our projections. Thank you, as always, for your time. Really appreciate the perspective you've shared with us tonight. Thanks for having me. Thank you. That's Kanti Pai, who joins us uh, this evening, a good friend of the station and the shows, uh, giving us some insight into uh, the UK economy, essentially having dipped into a technical recession. And as you've heard from a macroeconomic point of view, really making it practical for us to to understand how this impacts not only the global economy but South Africa's economic structure. From a trade point of view, we do need to be worried about minimal volumes that we might see. And if you're wondering the kind of products that we actually export to the UK, it's a large spectrum. Uh, products from the agricultural space like citrus, if you think about our wines, our minerals as well make their way there. South African businesses too that have operations in that market, the likes of Investec, Discovery, just to name a few. We've reached out to them, but not commenting at the moment in terms of some of these themes. But this will fundamentally also have a ripple effect in terms of uh, their profits, especially given uh, which way the currencies might go. But another aspect we thought we should touch on is um, one that really hits close to home for many of us as South Africans. When we 
we think about the rest of the world being your oyster, naturally we do want to pursue opportunities abroad and that should be pursued to enlighten us to become global citizens. But we also can't ignore the fact that uh, as you enter into more developed economies, the pressure on your pocket will be real. One such person who has felt this and shared a few stories with us in the newsroom a moment ago before I said, hey, join us on air tonight. <laughs> Our very own uh, colleague of uh, Kaya News uh, reporter, Malungelo Boy, joining us in studio. Malu, such a pleasure to have you on air. Thanks for having me. <laughs> I'm, I'm glad that we could ambush you. And the truth is, uh, for a lot of people, they actually don't know that, I mean, you're a well-respected award-winning journalist in South Africa and took the opportunity to pursue your studies and uh, study your master's in the UK uh, over last year. Uh, amazing opportunity, but I can imagine also a slight culture shock, different environment, especially that this was in a post-pandemic world. But for all of us who think that the UK and many other developed economies in Europe are this land of milk and mm. honey, was that your experience as a consumer living there at the time? Look, when, when, I, when I arrived in the UK, it was in September 2022. And at that time, the country was already experiencing the cost of living crisis. Mm-hmm. And it was everywhere on television and on the newspapers and you could hear it on the radio stations everybody was talking about it but you could also feel it uh, it was also part of the conversations amongst us as mm. as as students in fact one of the things that was quite apparent at the time uh google was that there was also a lot of protest among public work public sector really? strike uh, in that country you know nurses were striking um doctors were striking Mm-hmm. Our teachers were striking because they're saying that they were battling to put food on the table. People were battling to pay their bonds. You know, mm-hmm. uh, electricity prices were high, and also food prices uh, were high. And if if you look at the UK, uh, Google, there's about what seven hundred thousand international students that go there sure. every year. And when you get there and you sing all of this, mm-hmm. obviously you're going to be shocked. And one of the assignments, in fact, that I worked on. Um, was interacting with international students to see how they were coping in terms of the cost of living crisis because it was just everywhere we could feel it and uh, some of my colleagues were in fact were saying that they had to take two part-time jobs in order to be able to supplement all in the uh, midst of your studies exactly exactly Mm. but this is what you have to do and in fact some universities because they understand the pressure that international students you know were facing they would Mm -hmm. have food banks and in fact food banks are pretty common in the uk Mm. people depend on them even people who work in government nurses Mm. they go to food banks and that's one of the things that made them, in fact, to take part in these industrial actions because they're saying that why would we work so hard during COVID-19 and we're regarded as these heroes, yes. but, but now we're battling to put food on the table. We've got to go to food banks. Uh, it, 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 was, it was just, I was battling to reconcile this living in the world in this world first world country yes. and these many problems that people are facing and what you're highlighting here is it's challenges that are common to us as south africans sure. right and sure. typically we wouldn't expect that in a market like the uk or anywhere else in europe and and perhaps that's because we're not typically exposed to that kind of information sure. but what you're highlighting for me here is that much of the challenges that sure. we bemoan here in south africa exist in the best parts of the world as well i'll tell you this um I went to do a story about people sleeping rough, right? Mm-hmm. So w- here in South Africa, we call it homelessness, right? On the other, I- in the UK, it's called ah, sleeping rough. Diplomatically uh, correct. Okay. And, and 
some charities who work with the with the people who are homeless, I'd say, uh, were saying that they started to see an increase of people, uh, you know, who don't have places to sleep in, sure. or because people are battling to to pay for rent. And um, there's also um, a term that's called people who are couch surfing. If you if you can't afford oh, to really? to pay your own rent, so I'll I'll come to you uh, and. S- You'd allow me to sleep in your couch and I'd go and hustle the following day because I just cannot afford to pay rent. Mm. So that's how people, some people in the UK are actually living Mm. as we speak. And this recession will actually make things even worse for them. Mm, Definitely. I believe the last recession that they had was during the global financial crisis and the currency levels were significantly different at that time. And what you're highlighting for me, Malungelo, is a practical example of the numbers we quote on a day-to-day basis about the pound being at 2380 uh, to the rand. Uh, this makes it practical because there's an example you also shared with us in the newsroom about shopping trends, right? Where here in South Africa, yeah. you might go to sure. a Woolworths sure. in the UK. Given the currency weakness and how that impacts your purchasing power parity, you have to shop down. Exactly. I mean, you've got to try and make sure that your pounds, you stretch your pounds as much as you can. Yeah. I mean, I would go to uh, a store and where I know I'd get, you know, items, uh, no-name brands at a much lower price, I would, I'd go for no-name brands. Mm. I ate no-name food mm. and that's how I survived because I wanted to make sure that my money stretched. And a lot of, of, of international students, that, that's how they survived. Remember, some of them are not there on bursaries, you know, yes. uh, or on scholarships. They're taking money out of their pockets and now they've got to do everything possible to make sure that the few pounds that they have, they last as much as possible. 100%. Malungelo, I truly appreciate the time that you shared with us today and making this story practical because it also gives us a refreshing perspective that in as much as we might see family members uh, go abroad mm-hmm. and study that uh, we shouldn't heighten the pressure for them to come back with some kind of economic boom no <laughs> no it's not easy exactly thank you so much malungelo truly appreciate it and if you missed it live, live, live. catch the broadcast on kaya 959.co.za <laughs>